And now, we begin the first four weeks in our journey to increase self-esteem. This is part two of our three-part series on self-esteem. Thank you for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the KL Podcast for part two of our self-esteem series. We are glad to have you back with us today because this is where the rubber is really going to meet the road on the things you're going to do to get to that high self-esteem place. Right, Tim? Remind everybody about high self-esteem, why high self-esteem is what we're trying to go for here. Well, we talked last episode about the three levels of self-esteem. There's low self-esteem, there's high self-esteem, and then there's the uh, unicorns running around that very few of them Those have monsters. too high <laughs> self-esteem. We're not even going to spend any time on them because it's such a small group of people, but there are three levels. Um, but what we focused on last time was high self-esteem is actually where you want to be. I mean, that is the just right level of self-esteem. So we want high self-esteem. There's no medium. That's right. It's low, yeah. high, yeah. and you're an, a ridiculous human being. Yeah, I found that really interesting. There's no, there's no gray area. There's no middle ground. That's low, right. high, or you're off the charts. That's it. That's exactly right. And so, I mean, as we discussed last episode, self-esteem is a measure of our self-worth or self-value. And people with high self-esteem generally feel good about themselves. They like their personality and how other people view them. And they have an easy time building healthy relationships and they make better decisions. And, you know, then we went further, talked about the things that affected self-esteem. And we kind of boiled that down to how do we improve our self-esteem? And we do that through esteemable acts. And these are concrete steps that we take to increase our sense of self-worth. There you go. So if you didn't listen last week, that, you know, that minute summary right there wraps it all up pretty clearly. Save yourself 29 <laughs> minutes. No need to listen. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Why do we spend so much time on it? We could just I have, have no idea. Say it in one or two sentences. Yeah. So it's so, we, so we easy. We should just open up a TikTok <laughs> channel for me and we'd be done. <laughs> there you go. Tim I think Tim, Tim has got some very high self-esteem right now. We've got to bring That's it back right. down. My money don't just... jingle jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take, uh, we're going to take an eight week program uh, to help uh, increase your self-esteem. We're going to break it into two parts. So this week we're going to focus on the first four weeks of this program. And uh, Josh said this earlier when we were talking before we started recording, this is a compounding program. You don't do one week and then stop and do the next week. You do one week and then carry it through to the next week and carry those through to the next week and so on and so on and so on. So uh, we're going to throw a lot at you, but we're going to keep it, we're going to keep it pretty focused one week at a time. So let's start with week one, Tim's favorite week. Tim, <laughs> what are we doing in week one of our self-esteem building? Week one is going to be the hardest week for most of us mm -hmm. absolutely. because week one is a social media cleanse. And before we dive into that cleanse, <laughs> I will also just double down on what Henry just said. This is not a quick process. We're going to cover eight weeks pretty quickly, but it's not a quick process. Improving your self-esteem it can't be done quickly. And if you think about it, that really makes a lot of sense because let's be honest, those of us who have low self-esteem or have experienced low self-esteem, 
we know that we got there over a long period of time. Some of us a lifetime. I mean, we have actually have a lifetime of events and experiences that have crushed our self-esteem. So you're not going to, you're not going to fix all of that in five minutes. It's going to take you some time. You should be encouraged that we have an eight week program. I actually think that's pretty fast, but (laughs) there's no quick fix here. All right. Yeah. Start now, middle of the summer, your self-esteem will be okay. (laughs) All right. There you go. Summertime activity. You know, and I think it's important to call out too, Tim, like you, you called out, there's a lifetime of life events that got us to where we are, but life moves on as well, right? Life continues to happen and the likelihood of you having a self-esteem impacting event in your life is probably going to happen still. Yeah. Right. And so the, you know, these eight steps that, you know, Henry mentioned, they're compounding. I'd like to say it's something that you're going to adopt into your into your life, right? It's not something you go through eight weeks and then you abandon or drop. It's something right. you want to you yeah. continue. It's recurring. Yeah, that's exactly right. So back to social media, the social media cleanse is week one. And I'm just going to set the table here. Everybody knows that I believe social media creates a lot of problems. And, you know, we only looked at about a thousand studies that back me up on this. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. There, there's 120 different studies that say social media has a negative effect on our self-esteem. And then to go a little bit further, 70% of adults and 80% of teens in the United States use social media. And this is what I love. 41% of people say that social media makes them sad, depressed, or anxious. You think that stops us from using social media? Heck no. (laughs) 41% say it makes me feel terrible. And there we go. And the average person spends two hours a day on social media. Yeah. I mean, so wait, wait, two hour average person is two hours a day on social media. Are you guys above average or below average? I'm below average. Josh has has got this weird little thing. Like algorithms are weird. I feel like we need to check Josh in. Like, Mr. So Zick, I'll just, I'll nut, like, like you nut, like you nutshelled all the last previous episode, Tim, I'll nutshell my social media presence. I have zero logins to social media platforms, but I, I get in a lot with, you know, I get fed a lot of social media. I distribute a lot of social media links. So I am, I'm fully involved in social media. And I would say I'm above two hours. So there's a couple of different ways to look at this. So you got Josh who consumes it. And then there's and the, distributes. And distributes. I will it. say right now, no one sends me more social media than Josh Gamboa, who is the first one to tell you, oh, I, I have no social media accounts. I'm not on social media. What but Josh somehow, is saying, though, but what he's saying is <laughs> he may he may consume and distribute, but he doesn't contribute. He doesn't post anything out there. So there there are two sides of the social media coin. And I'm going to tell you, neither one are necessarily great, but there are two sides of this we should be talking about. One is the people who post in an effort to gain followers, they want to be some micro or macro influencer. And then the people who simply view the, you know, the, the endless scroll, the, you know, the ones that are just peeking over the social media fence. And then you got folks like Josh who are like using binoculars and looking to the social media's house from the, from yeah. the other house, you know, <laughs> creeping on it in the middle of the night. But point the point fingers. is, the point is uh, when we talk about a social media cleanse, we are talking about both, reducing the amount of time you spend on social media as a scroller 
and as a contributor. There are two different sides to that. And there's more to it than that, right? And, but yeah. what makes it so difficult to, to, to do this? Why is it so hard to detach ourselves from social media? Well, I mean, I think it's important to say this too, Henry, before we even dip into that. And, and we've talked about this in previous episodes too. There's nobody on social media who's posting like the really reels of their life. It's, it's a curated message. It's, it's a highlight reel. And like you said, many times it's for the intent to gain likes. And when you're viewing people's lives through that curated lens, it can create, you know, jealousy or it can create envy or it can create all these things that make you feel your life is not living up to the people around you or the people that you're connected to. Yeah. And, and to me, that's the big, like, that's the big damaging piece is we're comparing ourselves to a reality that's not real. Yeah. I mean, for me, I go right down the list with the problems with social media. It's the root of envy and jealousy. And that generally is the people who you actually know, you know, so like, I, I'm not going to be jealous that Michael Jordan has big fishing boat. I'm I'm not going to be envious of Michael Jordan, but if Josh had a big fishing boat, I'd be like, how the heck did he do that? I know where he works. I know his house didn't better than mine. How's he got that big fishing boat? So it's the root of envy and jealousy. And then the other piece, since I brought up Jordan, is that it provokes a lot of celebrity worship. And just because these people are rich and famous or, you know, great actors or great athletes, it doesn't mean that their values align with yours. But a lot of times, well, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have pure values or that they're great people. But we believe that because they're rich and famous, that we should pattern ourselves after them. And the celebrity worship is just completely out of out of hand because of social media. And I'll add one more thing to that list. And to go back to the average person spends two hours a day. Tim said he's below average. Josh said, well, it's a little complicated. I would tell you <laughs> I'm below average. But I would tell you that because I can't actually tell you how long I spend on social media. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I could I could be on it and put my phone down and not tell you how long I was actually on it in that moment. Yeah. It's it you, time just disappears. Yes. And and whether it's positive or negative, I don't really even know. I can tell you this, there is no value that comes from it. I don't typically leave it and go that was really a good investment of my time. And when you think about that two hours and start to break it down, subtract out the amount of time you sleep, the amount of time you have to get kids ready for school or make dinner for the family or go to work or, you know, empty the dishwasher. When you subtract all the things out of your day that you do, and then how much time is left. And when you realize that two hours of that are overlaid with just this mindless scroll where you don't know what you got from it. Is it a good investment of your time, whether it's whether it's even making you feel jealous or not? It's just a waste of time, you know? Well, I mean, I think some people would argue that there's some value to it. But, you know, as far as some people go to social media for their news, which is a little scary. But, you know, some people do actually connect with with the people in their network. There is some value. But Henry's exactly right. We can't measure time. And then I'm going to bring this conversation full circle. 120 survey, uh, 120 studies say that it has a negative effect on our self-esteem. And we, at least 41% of us, 
have the self-awareness to say that we feel sad, depressed, and anxious after being on social media. I mean, like, what else do you need? It's not good for you. So what do we do, Henry? Like, this, we're talking about the social media diet. I feel like, you know, hopefully a lot of people are at home like, yes, I have a problem. How do I address this? So yeah, what do we yeah. do? How do? Where do we start? So there are some there are some extreme steps that we can take. And then there are some less extreme steps that we can take. Yes. I would say on the less extreme step section, you can simply open up one of your social media apps and reduce the number of people you follow. If there are people that pop up in your feed that make you not feel good about yourself or that make you roll your eyes when you see them post something, just unfollow them. It's sometimes feels, I mean, it's sort of like giving away clothes that take up room in your closet. It actually feels really good to get rid of that stuff. It's not doing you any good. And that's an easy thing to do. And if it makes you feel any better, you're spending a little time on social media while you're doing it. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's right. <laughs> but that's one thing. That's the first thing that you could do. And I think that that's a really easy first step to take. Yeah. Yeah. What else, Josh, you got another one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, as you're going through that process of, we'll call it trimming the fat, right. Or, or reducing who you're following, or if there's negative influence or impacts on your, on your feed, you know, I'd look at the amount of platforms maybe you're on as well. And, and that's a good opportunity to begin to reduce that. Uh, if there's some that are bringing more negative or negativity into your life, um, you know, that's a good opportunity to, you know, either remove yourself or try uninstalling it from your phone for a while. You that's know, a great a, one, Josh. That's a, a great, break from it. so good. Yeah, I had that as my third bullet. So we've got unfollow. We've got get rid of some of your accounts. And then I was going to say the same thing that Josh just said. If you uninstall it from your phone, you'll really be surprised how little you go to it because you don't have that instant gratification. I have that same situation right now with Instagram. I got off it about two or three weeks ago. I didn't want to kill my account because I don't want to lose all the pictures that I posted. So I just uninstalled it from my phone and I have caught myself like once every three days, I'll click on, I still have the icon on my phone, but I click on it and it, nothing comes up. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot I did that. And then I just move on yeah. that quick. I mean, just that quickly I am, I am moving on. So social media diet, let's try it. You know, the last thing that I'll say is start timing yourself on social media, put it on the calendar use a timer, whatever you can do, say, I'm going to spend one hour a day on social media. I mean, the, actually, the suggestion was to get down to one hour a week. And I feel like we would have some people that, you know, really went into withdrawal <laughs> if we suggested one hour a week right off the bat. But the point is, decrease your time on social media. If you're at six hours right now, hey, let's try to get to three. If you're at three, let's try to get to one. Work yourself towards a minimal amount of time on social media each week, and you'll feel a lot better. Okay, so you've cut social media down. You've reduced some of that time in social media. You've given yourself a week on that. Moving into week two. So for those of you who are planning ahead, you can go ahead and make a note on your calendar. This is what you're going to do next week. In addition to removing some of those people that you don't want to follow on social media, you might even have to go a step further because week two is cutting out those toxic friends, ending those toxic relationships. 
Yeah. This is when it gets a little bit more real than just unfollowing somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to be clear, like you're not back on social media this week. <laughs> no, no, you're continuing, <laughs> continuing to reduce your time on social media. Week one, we launched the social media diet and we continue it in week two. And then we add another piece to the puzzle. This is not one week. Then we go back to our old ways. Then we start something in week two. We're, we're layering this. Yes. 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 Okay. We are cutting out toxic friends in week two. Man, this is a tough one. Why is yeah. it so hard to cut out toxic friends? They're toxic. Why do we have such a hard time cutting them out? Because for me, and I, 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 I can only speak for myself and I, I, have, I have done this. It is incredibly painful because there's still something about them that you want to believe is redeeming or you have a history relationship with them yeah. and you want to be able to stay connected to that history. It's, it's part of my narrative. My journey of yeah. life is in some of these people and to let them go, especially when they're people that I see or that, that are part of like a circle of friends. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, I don't know. It's, it's sort of like having candy in the house and being on a diet. I know it's there, yeah, you know, and there's something tempting about it, but I have to stay away from it. Uh, yeah, this one is really tough, but guys, I, I'm going to tell you, I've done this a couple of different times in my life, and um, I'm, I'm, I've never been better than when I did it, even though it was yeah. painful. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, and I think too, if we're being honest, there's a lot of codependence that happens in toxic yeah. relationships. Yeah, true. And and many times they're feeding the bad things in your life that you're not ready to let go of, right. Or that you're, mm -hmm. or that you would maybe still enjoy. Right. I mean, and that's just the, the honesty of it. And, and that's why it's even more critical to, to remove those. That's a lot of self-awareness right there. And yes. a lot of discipline to be able to say that. And, you know, and I can say for me, and I don't know if this is the, you know, the easy way out or the cheap way out, but when I've had to do this in the past, it's the way that I've been most effective is weaning off that relationship not just hey i'm cutting you out of my life right but just minimizing the time more and more and more as week and week by week goes by and and using that method for me anyway the relationship is just kind of diminished um you know either completely or it's either just checkpoints every once in a while and not necessarily you know such a constant toxic relationship that's yeah. probably yeah. really healthy josh um and I, I have to be honest i'm a bit more of a meat cleaver <laughs> back to back to the question about why we have such a hard time cutting out toxic friends i there's two reasons that i do just right off the top of my head one is henry said we have history with them and you know go way back with somebody and you hate to cut them off and the other is and man this sounds like so just full of myself when i say it but i'm being truthful here i I don't cut some people out of my life sometimes because I'm like, they need me. And normally yeah. it's because yeah. they're toxic and they don't have any other friends. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. man, if, if I cut them out, they've got nothing. There's nothing they left. Need me. I'm like the centerpiece of their friend, of their, of their friend group. And so, I mean, those are the two things, but spot on. I mean, you've just got to do it. And Josh talked about weaning the relationship down and there's ways you can do that you know a simple little tactical way that i've done it is in this world of text 
you know, we, we text a lot more than we call most people do. So when somebody texts me and I'm kind of like trying to chill the relationship a little bit, I don't immediately text back. I see the text and I think to myself, I don't need to text them back. Let's slow down this conversation. Because if I immediately text back, then they'll immediately text back. And then we'll boom, 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 boom. And then you have this big, long reaction. But if I wait till tomorrow morning and then reply back, then that kind of slows the interaction, you know? I don't know. That's just a little a little tip. Now, I will go on record and say, if you text me and I don't text you until the next day, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm trying to weaken our relationship. <laughs> See, out. this is this is why I bring down the cleaver. And when I do it, yeah. I tell and I did this, guys, I did this uh, the beginning of this year. I said, here's the reason why this is happening. These are the things that that have happened in our relationship. And this yeah. is what our relationship is going to look like going forward. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there's no doubt about why I'm, I'm taking, you know, 24 hours to respond to a text message. They know why. Yeah. And yeah. it's not 24 hours. It's the eternal amount of hours. I don't respond anymore. It's over. You know, yeah. and, and, but but what I, in all fairness, though, what I also say is these are the steps that would need to be taken in order for us to start back and be, become friends again. So I, I clearly state the action plan <laughs> and yeah. it's up to that person to determine whether or not our relationship is worth it. Yeah. And I think you just have to, you know, for our audience, I think you have to decide what you're more comfortable with because Henry, I think for Henry, I'm putting words in your mouth, Henry, but I no, think I, I know. No, I well. like I, it though. You're, yeah, you're, I, I like it when you do it because it sounds yes. better. I think I do. I think I know you well enough. I think it's more stressful for you to kind of let it go on. So it's like you, it's healthy for you to just be like, boom, we're done here. And I think for me and Josh, we're like, I, I don't want to kill it. I just want to minimize interaction. And we're a lot more comfortable with that. And either way is healthy. If you can minimize your interaction with the people that are quote unquote toxic, or you can just cut them out either way, puts you in a better place. So you just have to kind of think you know, what's best for you. Now, you know, if you end up saying, oh, I want to minimize, and then you don't, well, you need to take some dramatic action. But let's back up just a second. We're, we're saying, oh, cut out your toxic friends. What are, what are toxic friends? I'm so it's glad like you just said oxymoron, that. Oxymoron, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad you said that. I was thinking the same thing. It's like, oh, should we explain this? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, in my situation, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys, I mean, we can run through a list of things, but I'm going to tell you personally, like what I consider to be a toxic friend. Uh, I've got some friends who are takers. They want to tell me all about what's going on in their life, but they never want to ask about what's going on in my life. And they need me to help them with everything. And they're never available for me whenever I need help with something. Those kind of people drain my energy and they may or may not be toxic, but they're definitely not mutual friendships. I think the, you know, if I really boil it down to me, a toxic friend is someone who doesn't have my best interests at heart. They, they don't have good intentions. Um, and those are the people that you just need to get rid of because mm -hmm. they're going to work against you. The last thing that I'll say is, because I'm sure there's some people out there that are saying, I can't get these people out of my life. So, you know, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody that you work with every day. 
Like you cannot get them out of your life. So how do you deal with that? And I would say that you need to start working to define boundaries. Um, And I've actually been in this situation before. I had an example that came to mind. There's a guy that I worked with about, man, it was a while back. It was probably 14 years ago. And he presented himself as a friend. He was not a friend. Over and over and over, he did things that a friend would not do. And I couldn't stop working with him, but I put a hard boundary in place that this guy would not see me after 5 p.m. on weekdays. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, for a while there it was, oh, let's go get a drink or, oh, I've got a ticket to the game tonight or let's play golf this weekend. And I actually did some of those things for a while. And every single experience was terrible. And then <laughs> I just got to a point and I was like, I, I'm done, right? I mean, I'll see you from eight to five and that's not going to be fun, but I am crushing my soul by giving this guy time outside of business hours. So put some boundaries in place. You can do it with your family too. Uh, You have to put boundaries in place if you're not able to completely remove them from your life. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'd say this is a, an extreme scenario, but like you're saying, Tim, it can be difficult when it comes to family. And, you know, I've mentioned this in previous conversations, but I've done like I've been a victim services advocate for domestic violence and substance abuse and things like that. And it can be done. It's difficult, but when that family member who's choosing to stay involved in, you know, whatever the activity is and, and you can't pull them out. I mean, that is, like you said, it is soul draining to that individual who's wanting to help, but cannot help. And even in the scenario like that, you've got to put a boundary in place to say, I can help you to this extent, but until you want to be helped, we're that's it. Right. And so, you know, I say that in a in an effort and to say it's difficult, but it can be done even to the degree, like you said, when when family's involved, because that's what's healthiest. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good, Josh. And so let's just put a bow on this one real quick. So the exercise associated with this, and we've talked about it a lot, is that you are basically the the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. So make a list, shameless plug for lists, make a list of the five people who you spend the most time with, not the five people you want to spend the most time with, not the five people you feel closest to in life, the five people who actually get the most of your time, and then look at that list. And if there's somebody on that list that you're like, wow, that's, that is not somebody that I want to be personally, then you need to remove them or you need to diminish the time that you're spending with them because high quality friends are the foundation of high self-esteem week two, week one and two are rough, man. I feel like they're almost, (laughs) I will. I feel like week three needs to be like a rest and recovery week from week one and two, because they're going to be so fatiguing, but we're just, we're keeping on rocking. Yeah. It's not going to be for a lot of people. I'm sorry to tell you right now, week three is going to be just as difficult for a lot of folks. (laughs) For me, week three is my favorite week. I week three is clean your environment. All right. Get it together in your physical space so that you have removed those physical things that are also causing you not to feel good about yourself. Oh, guys, this is my favorite. 
I think I am I the only person in the world who loves to spend a Saturday afternoon cleaning a closet. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. love getting that closet space organized. And my wife will say, the door is closed. No one knows what's in there. And I say, no, no, no. I know what's in there. And I feel so good knowing that in the dark, I can reach in and get what I need. I don't even need to see it. Yeah. <laughs> Cleaning my space and keeping things organized makes me feel so good. Yeah, I will say, Henry, I, you're, you're going to get on me because I'm kind of massaging this for my, for my own benefit. <laughs> but because, because I have some clutter, but it doesn't stress me out because it's organized. So I would say, along with cleaning, organization is, is key here. What are your kryptonite when it comes to organization or cleaning? Are there like certain little pieces of your house? We're talking about physical environment here. You know, your physical environment should be clean and organized because it affects the way that you feel. But are there certain places in your house, your life that like spin out of control a little bit? Yes. Either one of you? <laughs> My nightstand by the bed. Nightstand. Oh, yeah. 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 And and it gets that way. And then I've got to start all over. I get it organized and then it gets bad. But like you said, Tim, that that's where I finish my day. And I know where everything is there. Right. And I know it's in my mind, it's organized. Visually, it is not organized. And so yes. I, it, it does get to a place where I'm like, no, I've got to take care of this. I need to straighten this up. Let's refresh. Let's start all over it fully knowing that it's going to get back to where it was. But I, I, I cycle through that every, you know, probably every week and a half. Yeah. For me, there's two places that just boom, they come, come right to mind is one is my office. It is organized, but if Henry saw it, he wouldn't like it because all my bookshelves are full, but I don't stop buying books. So I have just stacks of books around me and it looks a little helter skelter. And then the other place is my closet. Henry touched on that. I have a hard time getting rid of clothes. Yeah. I, I go through this whole thing where I'm like, I could wear that again, or that doesn't fit anymore, but maybe I'll be that size again. You know, <laughs> I, my weight fluctuates. I have a hard time getting rid of clothes. I, do, I have gotten myself in the habit of every December. I have it on my calendar, the beginning of December. I go through my closet. That is when I kind of, you know. Yeah, yeah, you purge. I, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, 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 I do. I purge a little bit, but I just do it once a year. I mean, Henry's talking about every Saturday. It's like one, one out of 365 days on my calendar. <laughs> you know, I get it. This is hard for some people and other people can't live whenever something is out of place. Uh, I'll tell you one thing with the clothes. That's a, that's a tough thing for a lot of people. You spend a lot of money on it and you have this aspirational belief that you're going to be small. You're going to lose some weight and fit into this thing. Or that piece of clothing reminds you of the time you wore it at that event. What I do with my clothes is uh, I, when I wear it, I put it back on the rack and I hang it the opposite way. And then I'll go and I'll look to see after a certain amount of time, a month or a year, how many clothes never changed direction on the hanger? If they didn't change direction, <laughs> wow. I didn't wear it for a year. Yeah. I can get rid of that. And I've, I've shared this with a number of people who said that changed my life with the way that I not only uh, store my clothes, but I don't need to buy as many clothes because I realize I just don't wear this stuff. Yeah. And I'm, we didn't really do a great job of defining the problem up front. So let me do that very quickly. 
many studies have shown that clutter leads to fatigue and depression. Yeah. Makes it hard for us to focus and a clean house and an organized house leads to less stress, less anxiety and less depression. So, you know, there it is. That's what we're trying to address here. And, you know, I'll also say that our, our environment is a reflection of how we feel about ourselves. And if we look at our environment and it's dirty and unorganized, please have the self-awareness to understand that it's deeper than just that aesthetic. Yeah. 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 That's, that's great. And this is both inside and outside the home. This is in your car. This is uh, your right. front yard. This is even, it stretches to your neighborhood. Sometimes it can feel really good just to go and pick up any trash you may see on the side of the road in the neighborhood where you live. All of yeah. those things uh, will add up to increasing your, your overall self-esteem. Yeah. So good. And we'll put a bow on this one by saying for those people that are thinking to themselves right now, I cannot change my environment. Maybe you have roommates and it's just difficult to get them to do their part. There could be any number of situations that make it impossible for you to completely change your environment. If that is the case, then our advice to you is to go to nature. Find peace in nature. Get out of that environment as much as possible. We've talked about the power of nature walks. Um, this, is a, this is a great way to kind of remedy an environment that you're not capable of fully changing. Okay, guys, I love week four. I love week four because week four, I think, is a great reminder of, of the effort it may take you some time to get through weeks one, two, and three. Week four yes. is create micro wins. Now let's get more organized here. First off, what is a micro win? Well, when I saw the words micro win, I immediately thought about atomic habits. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Because, you know, that is our most popular episode. But if you're one of the few people who haven't listened to atomic habits, shameful, then I will tell you that when we're talking about atomic, we're not talking about atomic bomb that changes the world we're talking about an atom this tiny little thing that we do that has a big impact in our life so that is what i thought about when i saw micro wins i mean these are just small little celebrations that get us headed in a positive direction yep a, a minor moment of effort that over the long run will have a, a massive positive impact. So how do micro wins actually improve our self-esteem? We're gonna come back and talk about what they look like, but how will these actually help our self-esteem? Well, micro wins help your self-esteem because they're creating confidence and pride and capability. And there was a great analogy in some of the stuff that we read. It said that you have to think of those small victories as light at the end of the tunnel and the more small wins you rack up, the brighter the light gets. So, yeah, I mean, I love that analogy because yeah. I think it's really easy to discount the small stuff and say, ah, it doesn't really matter. But it actually does. If you can get yourself kind of moving in the right direction, I think it, it creates some really positive momentum. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. This one 
this one speaks to me. I'm trying not to be so stereotypical, Tim, but I can't help myself. You know, I really love the create micro wins because that goes hand in hand for me with making lists. I mean, it does because That's a true. micro win for me is marking something off my list. I mean, I create micro wins every single day because I have a game plan for every day of my life. I have a game plan for every week of my life down to just some small stuff that I can just knock out. And what I've found is if I had, they talked about making your bed. Um, you know, I've heard that a lot. It's like, you know, you do something first thing in the morning and it kind of gets you on this path. But I have things that I do every morning that are on a list. And when I can mark those couple things off, it just gets me moving in a productive direction. It just launches me. Um, it's the way that I operate. So this one speaks to me in a really powerful way because I have it employed in my life. Yeah. Do you think micro wins become more relevant in your life the older you get? Man, I, I live for micro wins now. And, and the, you're right, Tim, that analogy is great because it does create a brighter and brighter light at the end of the tunnel, the more of them that I can stack together. We just talked about, you know, getting your environment clean, but I think the other three pieces that, that really, uh, that get supported with micro wins are health, wealth, and your mindset. Yeah. You know, and we've talked a lot about maintaining good physical and mental health. You do not have to go and get a hundred dollar a month gym membership or hire a personal trainer or outfit your entire home gym with every single weight in the world, you can take a 30 minute walk every day. And you can use that time to throw some, uh, throw a headset on and listen to the KL podcast or, uh, or whatever it is that, that enriches your day. But just a 30 minute workout is a micro win that'll make you feel better. It is. And it turns into a habit. I mean, that's right. I am not trying to go on the uh, TK self-promotion tour right now. But I am proof of that because we talked, um, you know, in our Dickens process about how I just did not feel like weight training was anything that would ever do me any good. And it was very difficult for me to get started down that road, but it has made all the difference for me in 2022. It's I mean, simple. On, yeah. And yeah. it's easy and it, it'll make you feel good. Yeah. Along I'm, on day one, I'm on day 163 right now. And I mean, That's I am huge. cooking. It's it's yes. not it's not optional at this time. It is a part of my life. It's like um, you know, it's like eating a meal or getting dressed in the morning. It's just like it's not something that I would consider skipping. It's brushing my teeth. Um, and when you get to that point, then you're really, really making some great things happen. Yeah. So we talked about health. And the physical aspect of micro wins. And then Henry touched on budget. That can be a micro win. Um, you know, whether, whether that is saving money or getting out of debt. Um, I will tell you to debt is something that can change your life for the better or for the worse. Yep. And th there's been times earlier in my life where, I, I mean, frankly, I had too much debt. And I felt burdened, felt like my back was going to break, stressed about it day in and day out. And when I finally got on a path where I had minimal or zero debt, man, you talk about freedom. 
it can change your outlook on life. I think it ties in nicely to the third piece of what we, what we were talking about. And that's mindset. And if you're carrying that, you know, that type of debt, if you're carrying that type of burden and I mean, all three of us have been there, I'm assuming, I don't know, but it, it can control your day. It can control your thoughts and it'll control your life, right? If you're carrying too much, you know, too much bad debt. And so, you know, that, that is one of the ways certainly to help free up your mindset. But, you know, I've talked about this in previous episodes too, that your, your mindset is everything. And it's all about your inner monologue, right? For me, anyway, what am I, what am I feeding myself? And what am I stopping when these thoughts begin to creep into my mind about, you know, my value or my, my contribution and things like that. So it's, it's, it's just critical, man. It really, really is to, to, to make sure that your mindset, that you're building that, right? Because I don't, I don't want, I don't want my words to make it seem like it's as a light switch, like, hey, I'm going to have a good mindset now. I mean, that is a tough, tough thing to change if you've been, you know, negative about yourself or negative outlook or, or not optimistic, you know, and that, in the same way we've been talking about the other two, if you can make those micro changes every day, it, it compounds, right? It grows. It's like interest and, and you're going to feel better. You're going to get better at it. Yeah. And I'll give a specific because I think mindset is kind of like this big thing. And we're like, how do you really get a micro win out of mindset? But I'm actually reading a book right now called Can't Hurt Me. It's a David Goggins autobiography. If you're not familiar with who David Goggins is, he is one of one. This guy is an absolute animal. He's a former Navy SEAL and he's an ultra marathoner. And he believes he can do anything that he sets his mind to. I mean, that is his mindset. Um, and, you know, the reality is I, I don't know if we're all wired like David Goggins, but he gives some great advice and the book. And let me go on. I'm just going to give a parental guidance real quick. If you're like, oh, yeah, let me check that out. But I feel like it's fair for me to say, if you don't like the F word, don't read the book because he is very unfiltered in his language, but it is a powerful story and he has challenges throughout the book. So you'll read a chapter of the book and then he'll say, here's your challenge. Do this right now. You know, which I'm sure some people are like, ah, I don't know. I just want to read the book, but I've actually, I've kind of read this book as he wanted it to be read. And so I have gone along with the prescription and I have completed the challenges that I've gotten to him. And the first challenge was, I want you to journal everything in your life that you think has ever held you back or is that is holding you back now. And I mean, like he did it himself and he bared his soul and he has a really, really rough background. But for me to just sit there and be like, okay, Let's start when I was born. This was a bad circumstance. This was working against me. This was working against me. This was working against me. This was a bad year in my life. I got divorced. This wasn't fair. I was treated poorly. I mean, I'm it's a long list, man. 52 years. <laughs> a lot of bad shit happens. <laughs> but it was a powerful exercise because it was naming the things that I believe are holding me back. And there's tons of power in that documentation. There's tons of power in saying, all right, here it is. Here's the things. And, you know, 
I'm not going to recite the whole David Goggins book to you, but that lays the foundation for later in the book for, for future challenges where you're like, okay, now how do I get past all this stuff? But a good starting point is to, you know, the micro win is to identify what in your life you think is holding you back. And if you're not as excited about writing down 52 years of challenges that you face, because <laughs> Lord knows if somebody says, Tim, I want you to journal for the next three hours. He's like, hell, hell yeah. If, if, you, if you're less of that guy, one of the micro wins you could do is simply get a journal and write down one positive thing that happened to you during the course of the day today. Yeah. One thing you did that made you feel good about yourself. And again, after a year or 52 of those years, you're going to have a pretty long list of things that make you feel good. So whichever way you want to come at it, the point is you start somewhere or start. Our recommendation is that you document somewhere between one micro win and a half century of micro wins (laughs) somewhere in that range. Here's what I'd say too, though, just to add to the guidance or tips on that. Life happens, right? And life happens at its fast every day. Things change. Add, add these things to your calendar. I mean, yes. I, I don't know about you two, but or the listeners. Sometimes I just live and die by my calendar. And if I'll put it in there, then we're going to stick to it. So add it to your calendar. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Put it on the calendar and aim for three micro goals a week. I mean, as I said, I have micro, micro goals every single day. And if you really think about it, it is what do I want to accomplish today? Jot it down. There is a, there's a lot of achievement and feeling of accomplishment just by crossing that off your list every day. So we were halfway through our eight-week program. This will get you up one month into it. Yeah, Tim, you want to like close this out here and kind of consolidate everything that we've heard? Yeah, absolutely. So- Your first month of building self-esteem. Week one, social media cleanse. Cut down on your time on social media. Week two, minimize time with toxic friends. Or if you're like Henry, just cut them right out of your life. Just delete them out of your phone. Move and don't give them the new address. Week three, clean and organize your environment. You'll feel better about yourself. Your environment is actually a reflection of how you feel about yourself. And week four, let's start creating some micro wins. Just a couple a day. Tiny little things that'll build some positive momentum for you. Good luck out there. You've heard us say it a number of times. The eight-week process to rebuild your self-esteem is not easy. And it is not over at the end of eight weeks. It's layers upon layers of continued focus, continued work for a better you. For more KL podcasts, visit kindleadershipproject.com. Follow us on LinkedIn or find us on your favorite streaming service. This podcast is an expression of the views of Kind Leadership and its team. We're always open for discussion, so find us on social media and give us your thoughts.